so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. I'm saying that you cannot say that numbers collected at the employer's place of business reflect simply the employer's policies. Those, num those numbers reflect underlying conditions in the whole society, just as numbers collected at the hospital do not show you that people are sick because they're in the hospital. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're tuning in to The Unveiled Patriot with yours truly, Travis Masterbone, and this is Convo Number 5 with CEO RJ. Now, CEO RJ is a good buddy of mine. He's a marketing executive originally born in the UK, came here when he was very young, uh, knows a lot about business and being a part of Silicon Valley with that. And, you know, he's overall just a very funny and interesting individual. And I had a blast talking with him for as long as we did. <laughs> this is definitely the longest convo I've had thus far, but it was great. Um, no, you know, we are a bit less structured in this episode versus my other rants and combos. But essentially, we're just shooting the shit, having a good time, tangents all over the place, and not in a particular order. The topics range from his upbringings and philosophy. We talk about growing up, playing sports, competition. That translates into capitalism, socialism, communism. We, of course, get into Trump. A little bit of Obama. We talk about investments, California, Silicon Valley, a little bit of Elon Musk, psychopaths, and wait, there's a bit of dolphins in there as well. <laughs> so yeah, it was fun, good times, uh, definitely a lot of topics in between and all around there. Again, no particular order, but yeah, here he is, and here we are, CEO RJ on the Unveiled Patriot. Enjoy or not. Good evening and welcome today, CEO RJ from the UK. How's it going, my man? It's going well. Thank you very much for having me. Happy to be here, man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. This is going to be fun stuff. We are going to talk about a lot of random stuff and I'm looking forward to it. Um, but I definitely just wanted to start off by just introducing yourself to my small but significant audience um you know just explain a little bit about uh your upbringing you know where you're from um a little bit about the lifestyle class from the uk you know what's going on there and you know if you could dive into what your philosophy was growing up politics maybe and then just relevant moments just a good encapsulating view of you know who you are, I guess, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, happy to, Travis. So, yeah, um, I am originally from the UK. I came here in, uh, I want to say early 1989, just in time for that earthquake. That was awesome. Introduction yeah. to America. Um, I uh, I was actually lucky. My, my dad was uh, 
two-time Olympian and actually number one in the nation in the UK for the uh, pole vault. Um, wow. And so, yeah, uh, he kind of taught me the importance of sort of hard work and grinding and um, effort and competition, I would say. And using your pole efficiently. They <laughs> <laughs> didn't have to say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, man, yeah. that's sick. So, all right, you came here in 1989. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I, was, I, I was in my mom's belly when that was occurring, uh, that earthquake in SF. Yeah, yeah, you didn't miss much. Holy shit. <laughs> but, yeah, so, um, you know, moved here at a young age, um, kind of in the heart of Silicon Valley, just happenstantially. How old were you? And, uh, uh, six at the time. Okay, so you were in the U.K. very briefly, hence why you have no accent. Makes sense. Exactly, yeah. It's weird. I have enough memory so that when I go back, it feels like home from another place. <laughs> <laughs> like from another life, you know, like you recognize things and you're like, oh, man, I, I remember this, you know. But at the same time, it's like you wouldn't really think about it in day to day life here. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, when. All right. So you got here. Where Where did you uh, come uh, specifically in, in the Bay Area? Well, actually, we first landed in Livermore, which is crazy because. I met my wife that I'm married to now in first grade in Livermore. No way. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, oh, Nicole, shit. you met Nicole. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've been together for decades. Um, and she didn't want anything to do with me at the time in first grade. You know, I had the cooties and whatnot. <laughs> uh, as they say. Yeah, the had terrible the accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, where's the English accent? I don't want any of this. Uh, <laughs> but... Once I had the cooties removed, uh, everything was all good. Um, so yeah, initially did land in Livermore, um, and then uh, then kind of went deeper into Silicon Valley. And my grandpa, um, he worked at NASA and happenstantially like CIA and FBI um, and NASA, like randomly like different sort of projects. Uh, but I just happened to be sort of in Silicon Valley during those those periods, and then eventually came back to Livermore, which is uh, anyone listening that's not from the area, this is kind of like wine country, East Bay, like out of the main Silicon Valley area. Right on, right on. Um, okay. Uh, so essentially, um, growing up, uh, high school, uh, did you go to college or no? Yeah, I did. I went to junior college. Um, and like I said, uh, you know, my, my, Pops was an Olympic athlete, um, and so my strategy was in high school to do that sport. He actually didn't want me to do it. it was, like I said, it was pole vault. And he said, hey, there's no money in this. It's not going to get you anywhere, but it looks so much like fun. I was like, okay, I got to do this. You're basically flying. Um, so I did that like with the intention of getting a scholarship. Didn't really work out. I was number one in the league four years in a row. I won varsity as a freshman, so it was kind of cool. Um, but you know, didn't really get to the point where I was going to college for free or anything. So I went to junior college and then I put myself through art school actually. So I was into motion pictures and television, um, and, uh, narrative film. And, uh, I actually did work in that industry very briefly, uh, before I pivoted sort of into marketing. Um, so that's kind of the, the story there. Very interesting. Very interesting. Did you 
have any kind of political sense, um, like in high school or whatever. I mean, I, I, I could relate totally. I played a basketball, um, junior college division two. And once you're an athlete, that's really just, you know, narrow vision. That's all you care about. But it was politics even a thing at the time. Um, well, you know, it's interesting you say that. So like we kind of share that, um, sort of vision of, or not vision, but experience of being an athlete. So when you're an athlete, you're competitive. You're sort of investing a lot of yourself into something and you're, you're being competitive with the people around you. Um, and I think that that does translate into entrepreneurship. So um, you sort of get this idea that you get out of it what you put into it, so to speak. Um, and, and it's like, I mean, if you look at any professional sports, I'm not going to like come up with an example or anything, but, you know, you see people are naturally gifted. They tend to sort of not do so well. And people that are kind of gifted but have to work really hard, they do extraordinarily well because they, they put the effort in. So I think having a sport and being in a competitive environment early on gives you the concept that, like, if you invest, and at that point, it's time, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're putting sort of whatever you can at, at the moment into bettering yourself, you're going to get something out of the other end. So I think politically, from that perspective, you kind of naturally lean towards uh, innovationism, which is the, you know, it's the concept that you, you sort of get rewarded based on effort that you put in. Yeah. And I relate to that uh, tenfold. Um, it, it's, it is pretty interesting, especially nowadays. Uh, well, I mean, we'll talk about, you know, capitalism in just a moment, but the idea of competition and that word itself, it's very interesting how others might look at it. And I bring up the, pol the political perspective when you were younger and competing uh, because this is fucking the Unveiled Patriot political podcast. But at the end of the day, you know, I really was always fascinated with how athletes, even if they weren't successful athletes, they still translate really nicely into a capitalist system. And if you really think about it, um, this interview I watched with Patrick Bed Davis and this communist professor from UC Riverside, um, uh, Patrick Bed Davis is pretty smart. He asked him about his childhood. Like, you know, who were you growing up? What kind of person were you? And could you guess that the communist professor hated sports or he hated competition because it's putting down the little guy, right? Um, what's your thoughts on that perspective? Uh, and we can get into the political philosophies or whatever, but just that alone where there is people that are just like, I don't like competition because you're going to put someone down in the process. You know, everyone should be able to succeed. It shouldn't be just one winner, one loser. Everyone should be winners. You know, the participation trophy phenomenon that's occurring. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> funny you bring up the participation trophy phenomenon because, you know, it, it's sort of a double-edged sword. It, I think instinctively, let's just sort of zoom back and say like you're a parent you have kids like and you know maybe your kid is in a competition and doesn't do well and they're bummed and you, you want them to be 
happy. And, and you might think, well, maybe everyone should get a trophy because they all put the effort in. It's like that's a, a short-term thing that doesn't really do any good um, for your kid because they're not – they're yielding something that didn't happen from an effort. And, I mean, the definition of average, like, you know, half of us have to be below it. Um, and that's the thing. Like, we should all strive to be above it. We shouldn't just get a participation trophy for not striving. Yeah. And I mean, sorry, cut you off, but I mean, I, I always try to think as primitive as possible, especially since, um, you know, evolution has taken us in some very interesting directions to say the least. Um, but I always try to think as primitive as possible, how were people behaving like back in the day neanderthals and what have you right <laughs> um cavemen you know, what is you know their day-to-day and is there kind of a like a human nature competitiveness that's already kind of you know built within us right and within nature itself especially with other animal species um you know i i see it as a natural thing i don't look at it as like uh we as competitors were just so evil because we put down the little guy but it's like uh, the milton freeman example when you go to play poker right that would suck if we just left the left the table and everyone won with the same chips it makes no sense the whole point of playing the game is the fact that we do not know who's going to come out victorious right and we put in our genuine effort and we get rewarded according accordingly right yeah yeah, if we all put a thousand dollars in and then we all win a thousand dollars, I mean, we just wasted time. I mean, this, you know, but um, I I think that, um, and again, I'm you know I'm not an expert on this, but we we kind of we're closer to the idea of you know look at like a chimp. Um, you can teach a chimp to do something by rewarding it. And, you know, they've shown in studies, like, different chimps will get jealous if you if two chimps do the same task and you give one two grapes and you give one one grape, there will be jealousy and rivalry, you know. We're, we're not that far away from that. I mean, we're, yeah, we're advanced. We have advanced tools. We build habitats. We're able to go to space. You could say space in air quotes. People think of space as like, oh, that's just a thing right there. It's like, no, we're a speck in an entire universe. We're not even scratching the tip of the surface of where we can go with that. We're very primitive, man. We're at the very beginning of technology. I mean, 300 years ago, we didn't have anything compared to what we have today. We're still figuring it out. And it's interesting because we're in a weird sort of state where I think we're smart enough to understand what does it mean to to sort of have this more group mentality and we have compassion but we're still sort of coming out of this um, mentality of of sort of the reward-based system where it's like if you do x you get y right mm-hmm so it's kind of a, a weird, a weird area. I think we're in a transitional state, and it'll be interesting to see <laughs> where the future goes. I mean, yeah, it's, interesting to, it's interesting to find out where we transition to, um, if if so. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't think it's too outlandish or crazy to say that we are based off. I mean, we like incentives and uh, that's what's going to motivate us to do X, Y, and Z, right? Um, this is a part of like Richard Dawkins, like selfish gene. Um, right. I mean, any animal on earth that has understands the concept of that is going to go towards rewards. Like, you know, you're going to do something or you're going to provide something and you can train almost anything. I mean, from a, a crow to a bumblebee to obviously a dog and, you know, and, you know, humans are not that different. Like we can do the same thing with ourselves. Right. So can, so can dolphins. <laughs> oh, they're, they're arguably more advanced. I mean, they have a bigger frontal lobe, like, and, you know, <laughs> that's kind of interesting. It's like, they live in the in, in the ocean and they're, they're sort of limited with their physical bodies, but they're freaking smart. And it's like, well, shit, if we could learn their language or something, figure out how to communicate with them, you know, could they be potentially mentally more advanced than, than us? It's, it's possible. Yeah. I, I don't know if you know this. I mean, we haven't discussed this in the past, but there's serial killer dolphins and, you know, some of them commit things like rape. You know, it's, what? I mean, it's, Yes, what? there are. The, the serial killer dolphins have been documented where they're sort of ostracized from their own society uh, and they track them and they, they start hunting other dolphins. I think it's like a alpha male dolphin and other males and, and they'll sort of, uh, you know, take advantage of females that are left alone. I mean, it's it's actually terrifying, but <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's beyond terrifying. Yeah, and, and it's like, what the hell? Like, well, I mean, humans do that. We got frontal lobes. Is this a frontal lobe problem? Like, what's well, going on? I'm, I'm, def I'm definitely looking that up as soon as I'm done with your ass. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's crazy. I mean, dolphins are really something else. I mean, I went to Mexico, and we went into this all-inclusive all resort. And uh, the first day, I didn't even notice. Like, this is like little uh, pond of water in the middle of there, right? And I'm like, oh, this is kind of neat. Uh, you know, I didn't even really think there was anything in it. And then, like, the next day, I'm, like, drinking coffee off of, like, the second-story balcony, right? And all of a sudden, this fucking dolphin just comes flying in the air. I'm like, are you serious? They keep these dolphins in there? And then you look over, it's little Miho and Mijas. They're just over there in the pool, kicking their feet. And I'm like... All you have to do is just one bad day, one bad day, right? For these dolphins that are just contained in here. All right. I've seen, what's that documentary? Blackfish or whatever with the killer. Yeah. Have you seen that? I've not seen it. I've heard about it. I've seen actually a couple documentaries that talk Insane. about, yeah, the negative impacts we have like sort of on the ocean and other things. I mean, it's that, that is terrifying. And it's it's all it's also interesting because we've learned so much about our own environment and the other animals on the planet and it's like you know 200 years ago we didn't know anything we just thought all the animals were stupid or maybe they're all just primitive or or whatever and now i think that we're really understanding like hey these are really sort of special precious animals like we have got to do a better job of taking care of them and the environment and like you know uh making sure that we're not polluting the ocean and, and putting them in captivity and all kinds of other things, you know, um, it's crazy. It's like thing animals are more advanced than you think they are. They're smarter than you think they are. Um, humans, I would say is the opposite. We're way dumber than we think we are, but, 
<laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, it's amazing what, um, you know, what they're capable of. And, yeah, it's just kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, with oil in the ocean, um, you do not fit the standard prototype of, uh, you know, a left wing's idea of someone who is good for the environment, good for the world, right? That's just the narrative, right? So I would like you to give me a definition of what the hell you define yourself. What do you define as a CEO? And then um, if you want picking back on that, like what what's the difference between good CEOs and bad CEOs? And then, uh, yeah, if you dare to swim in the waters of self-analysis, go for it. Well, I mean, that's a tough one. We're talking about a large spectrum. And, you know, you could say that uh, a CEO is defined, uh, well, in a multi different ways, right? So, like, on one end of the spectrum, somebody that sees a problem and can solve it and then starts a company and then sort of builds out a team around that. That's, like, one end of the spectrum. So that's, a, that's more of an entrepreneur. CEO, I guess, defined as an entrepreneur. On the other end of the spectrum, you can have somebody that understands there is a way to get investment. There's a way to build a company. There's a way to pump value out of it. There's a way to profit. Right. Uh, those might sound like the same thing, but, you know, one is, is sort of problem and solution centric and the other one is sort of profit centric. Um, usually the term CEO is affiliated with the profit uh, mentality. And, you know, this is, this is something we did, we, we've talked about in the past. Um, but I mean, there's, there's more money in venture capital in Silicon Valley than there are good ideas to invest in. And it honestly doesn't matter. It's like if you took if you took uh, millions of dollars to Vegas and put it on any machine or anything in there, the house is in the favor of winning. You're going to lose, and you're going to go home with nothing. But if you're a VC, you're the house. It, it doesn't matter if you invest in something that's not going to work out because statistically – something is going to work out and it's going to make up for all of the losses. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an interesting phenomenon because then you end up with 90% of the ideas and the companies and the young CEOs that show up and say, Hey, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Blah, blah, blah. blah. You're going to invest five, 10, 20 million in them, mm -hmm. 33 million in them. And if it doesn't work out, you know, maybe they get, bought or maybe they do a SPAC scenario or maybe whatever and it's like some other company will say hey that's a good feature to our product uh, maybe we, we can acquire you and it's like the CEO can walk away with two and a half million dollars and it was technically on paper a failure but then the CEO has I exited a company on my resume and the venture capitals are like hey look we made X amount percent, we're ahead of the, the general market, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an interesting scenario where 
you know, you can, <laughs> you can sort of. Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like um, uh, angel investors uh, or any type of investor, but most of them are angel, right? Um, or uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they got the level. Yeah, I, I don't know if most are, most are angel. I think that, like, angel is more of a, uh, like, 30-year-plus-ago thing, sort of. Um, there are some occasionally that come in. Uh, and that just simply means like they don't want to have responsibilities with a venture capital firm, but they might be sort of working with them. It's all the same thing. It's, it's investors that have a stake in the company that they're investing in. And, and they have the leverage, essentially. And so, um, right. Do you feel uh, when I, so that's the investor aspect when because when we backpedal here, when I'm talking about CEOs and what you do, um, I want to zoom in exactly on what you are to the company and what you are to the people that work under you, right? Um, because a lot of people will, well, nowadays, right, capitalism is evil, all that shit. And, you know, what are your thoughts on that? That's just a general broad blanket that CEOs are evil, capitalism is evil. Um, I feel the opposite. I feel like there's a lot of actually benefits of capitalism. I think when it comes to morals and just the overall good of society, right? If we just do full circle back to the oil spilling in the ocean, you know, people blame the capitalists for doing so. But I wonder, like, is that, you know, the way it is? Is that really the way it is? You know, we can use the Elon Musk uh, Jeff Bezos example, these guys are the ones that are innovating, trying to get off the planet and do different things. You know, do we need capitalists or does socialism have some merit? Well, you know, I, like I said, socialism, idealistically, the idea that, you know, we all sort of share a hive mind and a, a group mentality of sort of propelling us is a good idea. I, I think it really is. But, you know, I mean, right now we, we sort in of theory, don't but in not practice. reality. Huh? In theory, but not practice, right? Yeah, not in practice. I mean, you know, okay, so like communism doesn't exist. If you, if you ask me about communism, it doesn't exist. There is no example of this functioning properly on earth anywhere in any state of history. And the ones that claim to be are a clear dictatorship, you know? So... I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like you, at some point you can't just talk about it. You have to look at like, hey, you know, what is this and what has history taught us? We're kind of in this state. Um, and so, yeah, sorry, you asked me a, a bunch of questions in there. Please. <laughs> I'm hung up on that one right now. <laughs> what, so, what the other I mean, essentially. Um, so the idea is like you know, people are looking at capitalists like I say we because I like to consider myself as a capitalist. Um, yeah, of course. You know, I, I have a business and I believe in those beliefs. And so the idea is, well, you know, capitalists are the reason why we're destroying the earth. Um, if we did, if we adopted socialist principles, um, communist is really far over there, right? Um, you know, my question to you is, do you feel that way? Like you said that we are... Uh, desecrating the earth right we're we're dumb but is capitalism the best route to maybe improving everything because that's what i feel i feel like capitalism 
leaves room for innovation innovation for these young CEOs to maybe develop a product or develop a service that might actually make humanity better. I, I think it's impossible to argue that uh, capitalism does not increase our standards of living, right, overall as a whole. And as you said, communism is an idea um, and it's failed like tremendously. And we can get into Karl yeah. Marx and all that crap. But at the end of the day, like what makes you, I get, here's, here's the best way to summarize it. What makes you a capitalist and why do you think that is the best route for us as a society right now? And we don't have to go back to the chimpanzee reward uh, scenario, but, you know, apply it to the business aspect. Yeah. So I, I think we don't have to go back to it. We're in it. I mean, <laughs> you know, my whole philosophy has been my career. Um, I see a problem. I can solve that problem and somebody is willing to pay for it. That has been the historic sort of rhetoric. You know, it's like, Hey, this, this is not right. Like we can fix this. We can improve this. We can build upon this. And there are people and companies that will invest in that. And, you know, we've, me personally, my company, like we've, we've built a, a whole uh, sort of, empire mini empire around the idea that we can provide roi you know so like you invest x in us you're going to get x amount back no company would turn that down kind of thing um so that's why i think capitalism works you know i mean again we have that as sort of a a fundamental fundamental to human nature i mean that's that's kind of how we roll yeah, it's incentive, right? And so, uh, why would uh, why would I put my money towards you if I don't feel like I'm getting a return back, right? You would so, exactly. You exactly. You would take it elsewhere, and yeah. that's and that's it's fine. Very, it's very voluntary, and we're gonna and I could circle back to the competition part. It's it's okay. You're not gonna accept my money. I'm gonna go somewhere else for someone who will, and that's the beauty of capitalism versus communism or socialism, which we can dive in a little bit deeper on what the hell people define that as. But I know in general, this communal distribution of like production and everyone has a part in everything or what have you. My problem is like, I don't trust everyone being or a central government for sure, but everyone has just like equal parts of the means of distribution and how everything operates. I mean, if they already had that skill, they would have done it anyway. I think there's entrepreneurs competitors. And I think there's people that are okay with being in a certain system of society, right? It's all about the standards of living though. There's people that are living uh, these quote unquote, low wage, like oppressed jobs, but they live better than the czar of Russia, right? Yeah. I mean, the reality is like, if, if you're listening to the, this podcast, you are, you're well off, you're fine. I mean, I actually <laughs> watched this documentary the other day that was explaining. You tell me the there's not bums listening to this. <laughs> hey, dude, if if there are, I mean, shit, there. <laughs> you don't have to live in the creek. <laughs> we got them at the dolphins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, you know, I, I watched this documentary the other day. It was a mini documentary, and it was talking about the different tiers of being a billionaire, a millionaire, and and what it means, like helping quantify the amount of money. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I don't recall the the YouTuber that had this. It was actually fantastic because at the end it kind of explained that like if you are even watching this video, you are in the top like seventy five percent of humanity, and that was the part that really resonated with me. It was like you know, I mean, again, sort of like twenty thousand foot view. Very interesting. I'm a problem solver. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm doing all the stuff. That's not what's important. What's important is, hey, you know, um, being sort of able to provide for your family is the most important thing. Anything beyond that is just extra. It's, you know, and it's like, and I, I saw that and I was like, holy moly, this is kind of mind blowing. And then it kind of made me think about, you know, you got to, how do we get all of everyone <laughs> to sort of get up to this level or get up to uh, above a certain point, you know? So it makes you a little compassionate. So you're watching a video one minute, it's like how to become a billionaire. And then you're like, oh, you know what? We got to help everyone below is, is how we sort of become a better society kind of thing. Yeah. And so the the problem with me or what I'm coming across is what is that pathway to genuinely help those below us. And I think we're going to get into socialism is, you know, people always say, well, look at France, look at Germany, look at the Scandinavian countries, blah, blah, blah. I mean, well, if they were all doing it right, we wouldn't have an America. Yeah, and, and nobody would, nobody would have left Europe if <laughs> and they're not and they're and they're not us. Like you know, at the end of the day, yeah. it's like they're not us. Like we're a bigger country. We're very different on so many levels. The Constitution in the United States are very different. And yeah. at the end of the day, it's not that we're claiming that we're one hundred percent capitalist. Obviously not, right? We got Obamacare. There's plenty of states that do and push rent control. Uh, the minimum wage bullcrap, like, you know, there's a lot of things that are very socialist in like streams of policy. But again, it's my definition is how far do we dial it? And I say to the left, because I just think it's a proper way to kind of identify what's going on in a society on how much the government has control. And, uh, you know, at, at this point in time, it's just uh we're in a very interesting place in life. It's a shit show. Let's say, <laughs> let, let's say it like it is. I mean, we've gone from one extreme to the other. And, you know, it's weird because it's kind of like a seesaw. And somewhere in the middle is where logic and common sense falls. But it's like the two people on the opposite sides of the seesaw move further and further away from each other to try and balance each other out. And so you get this big gap. I mean, if you look back, like you mentioned Obamacare, you know, um, things with Obama were relatively good. I mean, even as a Republican myself, like he privatized space flight, um, strong border policy. You know, he did things that were in the best interest of all Americans and campaigned a certain way and sort of executed a certain way. And it was relatively central. Like I, I would say, um, you know, that, that was a strong, moderate president. And it, it, for some reason after that, it just, it got more and more extreme. Um, and, you know, with Trump, if you love him or hate him, and here's the weird thing is Trump was a Democrat his whole life. So you'd think on paper 
the Democrats would be like, oh, shit, this is a win. Let's get this guy in. Like, we got one of our own in the office. Right. But, you know, he's a Democrat, but he's saying, I want to run the country a certain way. I watched an interview with him with um, Letterman. And yeah. I think it was 1987, maybe 1989. He was saying the exact same shit that he said recently. Same way, like, hey, we got these problems. About China. Uh, anything. I have to solve this. I, I, or not I have to, but I would. If I, were, if I were in this position, I would do this. I would solve this. I would solve that. He's had a consistent, like, it is agnostic of politics. It is simply, these are the problems. Here's the solutions. And Letterman was egging him on, like, you got to run. you got to run. you got to run. And it's kind of funny because he ran as a Republican, which is interesting. I actually don't even know why he did that. Um, he could have ran as anything and he would have got voted in because he had at least, so you know, uh, conceptually the best interest of the nation. Right. And, and that should have been a win-win. It's like, okay, well, he runs as a Republican, uh, dude, he, he completely effed up the Republicans in the debates. Oh yeah. Which was hilarious. And so that was my big concern. Like, uh, you know, I, I always say I, back in the day, I hated Trump because I, I was just ill-informed. I wasn't in the politics. And one thing that bothered me at the time where I was like, I can't believe none of these other motherfuckers like Ted Cruz, Rubio, you know, you name it. They never could shut him up. It was very fascinating. Yeah. If someone's a big, dumb liar and you're telling the truth, you can easily shut someone up. Yes. Right? Right. And so yep. he wasn't doing that. And especially Jeb Bush, like he was just making him look like a child. Like yeah. voters, voters were just like, uh, nah, I don't want that guy. What the hell? No, Jeb's out. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you know, that you, was the thing. Like everyone threw everything at Trump. Like remember the Stormy Daniels thing? It's like, I mean, everyone threw everything at him and there was nothing. They had nothing. Zero. It's like, nope. I'm an American. I want to put this country right. I'm going to do this. And I think, honestly, and I'm not an expert, but I think what was his undoing was tech and pharma. Like, at the end of the day, he didn't play ball with big pharma. He was like, no, I'm not going to. He fired all the lobbyists. He was like, we're going to run an administration that's not biased. We do not cater to any companies or anything. He straight up said when he went into office, he said, hey, I took advantage of some tax scenarios and I want to fix those loopholes. Meanwhile, now we have Biden where it's like, you know, you made, what is it? $26 million over two years and didn't pay taxes on him. And he's like, Oh, I want to tax people that made over 400,000 a year. It's like, dude, at least pretend. Are you kidding me? I mean, he doesn't know where he is or what he's doing at this point, but. I mean, it's just, it's just insane. We had, we went from sincerity and I want to do the best for the nation to, Hey, you're not playing ball with pharma. You're not playing ball with tech. We're going to plant stories. We're going to have you thrown out. And now we're, guess what? We're not going to be a superpower in 10 years. So awesome. Hey, you know what? If you want to go back to England, I'll, uh, I'll bring you in. I'll get you citizenship. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, man. Uh, it, Absolutely right on so many levels. I, I think one of the main things or how I theorize um, why he ran as a Republican, because I think deep down, if we really look at the roots on, you know, 
how we formed and got our independence from the Brits, um, the principles and the values themselves, I really, really do agree with and resonate with, right? And, uh, you know, we loop back around. This is where capitalism kind of comes in. And what they did at the time, all of that. And capitalism, it's like synonymous with proprietarianism, right? And it's about just, you know, own, owning your property, right? Those are your rights. And it's the idea that, you know, monopoly law should just be replaced by the market, right? And if there's anything, there's contracts and basically uh, the government's limited to that. They're limited to only enforce these contracts and just protect our rights and our private property and, you know, the Constitution itself, all the fucking Bill of Rights, you know, they're, they're all music to my ears at the end of the day. You know, there's, I agree to them, just like, you know, they got some shit to this. Like, I understand. And I think at the end of the day, you probably had to make a decision like, man, you know, I do fuck with the value and ideology of what a Republican represents and the real basis of America, right? And uh, yeah. that, that has nothing to do with, you know, this term rhinos I came across during my awakening. Rhinos. I never heard of it before. And uh, Republicans. Yeah, there's also dinos. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I mean, if you want to live like a Democrat, you have to vote like a Republican because <laughs> someone has to pay for it. You know what that, I mean? That's exactly right. And so it, it was just very odd coming across these things. And now I kind of see the bigger picture. Or I feel like I do. Um, but essentially, at the end of the day, um, uh, it's it's just incredible because he, he is a problem solver, or he was a problem solver. It's like uh, president after president, even Obama, like, you know, we have a problem at the border. Bush, we have a problem at the border. Clinton, we have a problem at the border. Trump comes in, fuck it, I'm building a wall, <laughs> you know? And there's people to this day on the left predominantly who don't even know that this guy was building the wall. Like it's literally 500 miles plus that was built, you know? And if you think about a problem being solved, like it's very interesting. We can cut this off so we can put our resources elsewhere. And this goes to that business idea, right? And um, anywho, uh, piggyback off of that if you want. Yeah, I mean, so my, philosophy on the wall is that was sort of a publicity stunt you know um in a way <laughs> pretty good one <laughs> yeah, yeah but here, it's actually built <laughs> here, i know here's the irony so like like i said obama i think two of my fit let, let's do this so like republican uh, capitalist let's give praise to the guy on the left right uh <laughs> said no one ever um <laughs> said no yeah, one ever so yeah the, the two things Obama did I, that I loved, um, privatized space flight. We don't have Moon Express. We don't have SpaceX. We don't have Virgin Galactic. We don't have any of that shit without um, sort of that decision. And if you think about that, that's actually a, a clever maneuver because it's like, okay, well, we could spend another $2 billion trying to figure out how to get out of the atmosphere or we can let the entrepreneurs fight over it. So that's one thing. Uh, the other thing that he did that I liked was the border patrol uh, or the border policy. Sorry. Um, you know, and, and so that's the thing. The border was sort of covered and Trump 
campaigned around it. And I was like, and I, I, I saw right through this. I was like, okay, he's getting the right fired up about we got to lock down the borders. I was like, well, we already have this. Like, Obama deported more immigrants than any other president in U.S. history, including Trump. Well, that that's and that's, and that's a Democrat. Think about well, that. Well, and, and that's what's funny too, because I did hear about that, and you hear a lot about, um, you know, what the conditions were for illegal immigrants, right? You see the cages, the foils, and that's why Trump on stage with Biden's like, "Who built the cages? Who built the cages?" Hold up, hold up. Let me let me let me do this. Okay, so those were built by the Obama administration. Now, here's what's interesting. They were considered facilities under Obama. And then mm -hmm. when Trump got into office, they were called cages. Right. And then when Biden became president, they went back to facilities. Correct. So they're actually very special, very interesting pieces of, uh, <laughs> of cagery that can transform themselves in ways that are not uh, comprehensible by normal humans, obviously. Right, right. Uh, they, they morph. Accordingly, it's all evolution. Um, but yeah, back to the point. I mean, essentially, it's like uh, I, I have these mixed views on Obama with the immigration policy because I have heard that he did deport a lot. And then at the same time, there's this notion of I mean, we see the videos of like all the people from Haiti um, I, I, I've met actually a sheriff that does work at the border and says it's a problem more than ever at this point in time. Like, what is the big, what is going on down there in your opinion? Like big picture perspective, because I don't know, I'm looking at it like gangs. Like, I, I don't know how Obama, there's certain things he did that's against the gang, but at the same time, I feel like I, I see him in partnership with Biden and the Democrats policy-wise. And so that's why it was easy. If you say Trump did a publicity stunt, I mean, at the end of the day, shit, you know, if we put the wall up, no one's getting in if there is a problem or not, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, is uh, it's actually not funny, but... <laughs> You know? <laughs> Every time I say, hey, the funny thing is, I think about it, I'm like, no, we're actually in, in dire times. Funny um, thing is, dolphins are smart yeah. as fuck. Yeah, dolphins, those frontal lobes, man. Holy <laughs> shit. Um, so it's, I think Biden went in entirely idealistic and sort of forgot, like lost his grip on reality. And there's some other stuff going on, obviously. But, um, you know, I mean, fuck, we have some pretty bad catastrophes happening right now. The border one is is terrible. It's like, you know, when you say like, hey, we're going to kind of calm down at the border. Of course, you're going to the woodwork's going to come out. I mean, they caught terrorists like there's human trafficking, child trafficking. I mean, all kinds of terrible things happening. Um, and 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 it's like. Yeah, you can say this is a good idea on paper, but you have to factor in the repercussions. Mm -hmm. Nobody's really thinking about the ripple effect. And that's actually something terrifying. It's like, okay, everybody right now in office is just thinking about, well, well, what's the right now? It's like, okay, well, can we think one year out? Can we think a week out? Can we think 10 years out? 
your decisions are going to have repercussions. You're not really thinking about those things. Uh, so that's one thing. Um, and then you look at, uh, I mean, Afghanistan, you right. know, we have, that's a, an, a, re- <laughs> a catastrophe. Um, it's an un sort of, uh, countable failure. I mean, this is, it's like these people took down the twin towers and you're funding them several hundred billions of dollars. I don't understand how that's not treason. Mm-hmm. How is that not treason? I mean, and, and the entire, if it's not intentional and you know, I'll be honest. Okay. That I don't think that's intentional. Mm-hmm. You could argue it's treason, but it's definitely stupidity or incompetence. And that's right. not good. And and so that's, that's what I'm getting at with a lot of the things that I'm discovering, in particular, of certain policies that happen to lean left. It's like you either got to be completely incompetent or there's some type of ploy behind it. And I don't know, man. Look. I've played Risk, and I've watched House of Cards. I'm not pulling out of Afghanistan and leaving all the fucking equipment there and leaving citizens there, right? And so the problem is when I say things like that, people on the left, they say, well, that's a lie. That's propaganda. That's fake, whatever. But then I see videos on social media, right, um, of people literally blown up outside of that airport i see people literally trying to jump on a plane and falling from a plane trying to get the fuck up out of there and go to to the united states so this whole idea as i wrap back around one more time that america is the biggest problem in the world uh, i never really got the logic because if it was a terrible place i'm telling you right now if i was jewish and i was in germany at the time hitler was doing his thing I'm not trying to flee there. I'm getting the fuck away. And same thing with the whole Cuba shit. That's that was a brief glimpse, right? Uh, did we forget that they're still in a very shit whole society, suffering, right, from communism? I see videos yeah. of them, actual citizens and people here that are preaching for on behalf of them people that are Cuban that live in Florida, they're like, yo, this shit is not good. And we see what the left is doing right now. And this is why my antennas go up. And, and you know, that's just a slight rant. But at the end of the day, it's like, what are your thoughts when people say, um, you know, America is this just evil, racist place, you know, capitalism. It's, it's all in one pot, but they always say that. And I just I, I fuck just, off. Okay, America is not it. racist. Let, let me let me let me hit you up on that. So <laughs> I've traveled the entire planet. One of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life, and I'm not joking, is white on white racism. I'm not kidding. Please. You go to Hungary and you go to Germany and you go to the Czech Republic and you go to Serbia and you go to wherever and you're like, these motherfuckers hate each other. And I'm like, dude. What the fuck? Like, are you, you know, what's going on? <laughs> it's like, yeah, how it's, do you even know? 
It's so vulgar. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they, dude, they have. There's idiot. There's small little like things like Serbs have like high cheekbones and uh, Nazis have those like really well put together uniforms. No, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, it's like, dude, it's very weird, and it's like I've seen it where they're like ready to fucking kill each other, and I'm like, okay, you know what? Forget racism. It's not in as insane as we think. Like, America is the place of freedom where we actually get along together. Like, there's been a lot of um, sort of civil unrest over the last couple of years, and that's unfortunate. But I think ultimately we're we're lucky to be sort of here in the country together and be able to have the opportunity to get along. We're not doing it. Like, we could do a better job of that. But holy fuck, in other countries, it's like, in Europe, like, People fucking stab each other over, like, oh, hey, you're another whatever, you know. It's, like, it's very dangerous. There's there's no way to fucking um, kind of stop those sort of things. Like, I've been there. I've seen it. And I'm, like, I come back to the U.S. and I'm, like, oh, okay, this is this is way better than <laughs> yeah. It's just bizarre, man. It's, like, when you see things from another lens on the other side of the planet or, or wherever, it's, like, you know. I mean, there's no other country where it's – there's riots in the streets about um, something that, you know, probably is not that is not as insane as you think it is. Exactly. We're getting we're getting a little too sensitive. There's things <laughs> we should be upset about and there's things we shouldn't be upset about. And there's right. too many things that we shouldn't be upset about that we're getting upset about. Yeah. And so uh, we can take a quick tangent, but it's back to that uh, participation trophy you know, bubble wrap, safe spaces. All Did that. we talk about that? Did we talk about the participation trophy uh, generation? I mean, we didn't talk about the generation, but yeah, we were just talking about it in the beginning briefly with with regards to like competition and what have you. I don't know if that was recorded or not. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think, no, 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 I didn't mean today. I meant, I meant earlier because, you know, we've hung out in the past, but like, it's interesting to think about, you know, someone, I, I don't recall who this was, but so, somebody, another, like, sort of uh, executive uh, friend of mine, he said, hey, you know, like, because we were, t we were talking about the world's crazy, everyone's sensitive, what's going on? And he said, well, you know what's going on? And I was like, no, I don't know what's going on. And he's like, these are the outcomes, like the children of the people in the participation trophy era. Yeah. So there was a time where you just got a trophy regardless and they had kids. I don't know what the hell they told their children. Yeah. But they're the ones that are like inventing genders or being sensitive or this and that and whatever. And it's like, you know, you can do all those things, but it's just, you can't go too far with certain parts of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it is the part participation trophies. Um, I would couple it um, with like social media. Um, I would also couple it with grave incompetence within universities and administrators and just allowing this, you know, and it's like the, the thought of discipline has just gone right out the window. You know, that UC Berkeley shit, do you remember that? 
Like those. Uh, it's like when you say UC Berkeley, there's kind of a, a wide range. Oh, yeah, it's specifically. <laughs> it, it was specifically where it was like Antifa and protesters. I forget why they were protesting, but it was a big event, and it just got real chaotic. They started getting violent, um, breaking shit and what have you. But it was like almost like a first like indicator, like oh shit, like shit's popping off, right? Uh, you know Brett Weinstein, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that whole debacle, I forget where the fuck his college was, but, you know, he, he's like, he's one of the smartest guys, like, I've listened to. I really enjoy um, listening to that guy. If you want to treat, uh, listen to Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris debate about religion. It's fucking great. Grab your popcorn. But he, Brett Weinstein. Uh, Whose who channel was that on? Because I'm familiar with your- I'll send it to you. They had like four debates, but Brett Weinstein was like the moderator of one of them. And he's just like so level-headed and put together. And he just has great, great like perspective and an analysis. And he was, he was left, but then he saw what the left can do to you. If you even dare veer away from (laughs) what they want, right? It gets into a real tribalist like scenario real quick and he was just like hey i have a fucking funny feeling this shit's gonna spread into tech company this is gonna spread um into our universities even deeper and he he was like i'm just deeply concerned that this is where this is gonna head and it's a very logical statement you know and yeah and you know that that's interesting i mean i I think the tribalism part that you hit on does sort of go both ways. But it's interesting when you see, you know, you kind of naturally think like college environments, um, you know, education, intelligence, um, and they, they sort of live under that umbrella. But I, it's weird because you, you have to factor in also young people. It's like you have young uh, impressionable people that are not look at it this way you're starting out life like your first job you're kind of minimum wage or under minimum wage I mean my first job I was <laughs> fuck I'm dating myself up here but I was making like not even seven dollars an hour um, you know I was working at a retail store and to me at the time like I was in high school that was awesome you know uh, I knew that my career was going to build up over time. I was going to make money. It was going to sort of, uh, you know, experience and like growth and all those things. Now it's like you have people that are working at Amazon or wherever. And they're saying like, well, we're not making enough money. And it's like, well, you're not supposed to, and your first job, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to work at Burger King for your entire life. Like you're supposed to start there to get experience and to understand how to deal with people. And then you grow and you move on. But there's this weird mentality where it's like, you have to just get hired out of college and you do that. You should be able to, uh, you know, be able to raise a family. And then, you know, one peg below that, like uh, people in college are thinking like, well, no, like, you know, uh, we should be running everything. And it's like, well, no, you don't have any experience. You can't do that. You got to work your way up to that. And then they get the mentality that it's like, okay, well, all the wealth should be shared, you know? So it's like, yeah. it goes back to the communist idea. Cause 
and and the the professors are the of course the best ones to propel that idea because well you're paid by the state and you know we're gonna you know why are there billionaires you know that's <laughs> well yeah. there's billionaires because that's what propels humanity and innovation and everything and if you don't get what that is you're probably gonna be upset about it yeah and right well i mean what's funny is like um you know that that debate again i referenced to that professor he makes such like a snarky comment like oh i do make good money because i got a phd or whatever and patrick bet david uh the capitalist he's like well i mean you worked hard you probably avoided a lot of parties you did a lot of stuff to get that phd people with phds i i commend them because they put in the effort and the work and the time and they made sacrifices that delayed gratification to get there and then he's like it's just ironic that you're a communist but yet that is a full-blown like capitalist pathway in a, in, in in a sense but these damn teachers, you know, that's that's the best that a communist can go for, right? They're, the people that preach so much about business being evil, they've never owned a business. They don't know shit about it. They don't know what a P&L sheet is. You know, they don't know about any advertising or what a contract looks like, what the cuts You're are. You're hitting the nail on the head. And why? Like, you know? You're and, hitting the nail on the head right now. That and, is exactly accurate. And, and, and you know what? Running a business is actually more primal than we think it is. Think about this for a second. It's providing. It's it's going out. We don't we don't go out in the field and hunt anymore. We don't go out and like collect sort of meat and drag it back home. We go provide. We generate revenue. We we collect money, and money is a byproduct of value that we create right so it's sort of the hunter-gatherer mindset that goes out and works and creates value engages with business puts uh you know stuff out there that's valuable and then comes back and then provides that for the family Correct. So it's actually interesting when, when there's people that don't do that or can't do that or against the idea of that. It's like, well, okay, you're you're not a provider. Correct. And uh, think about it that way, uh, continuing on with that analogy, it's, it's like I always use, like, uh, the island analogy. If there was, like, a few people there and, like, a socialist, a communist, and a capitalist, like, I have a funny feeling the capitalist is going to be the one – putting shit together, figuring out, surviving. And then if they start reproducing, um, someone's got to be the teacher, right? Uh, yeah. Has to teach these other uh, individuals, young kids, how to hunt, right? You're, and, and then at the end of the day, like that's how you spread that wealth at the time, right? It, essentially, it's like we just need to eat and get it moving. And then who's going to be building the shit? Right. There's just no such thing as like a laid back person. So we jump back to that idea of labor being redefined or whatever. Um, you know, what are we going to do? Like you want everyone just to be able to be free and creative and do whatever they want. So what happens when we have lazy people? 
But then we have people who are really busting their ass, but then at the end well, of the year, here, they got the, the deal, same the, amount. The problem with, with freedom, I, I said this long before, like, the scenario we're in today, it's like, the more freedom you have, the more laws you end up creating, because there's always someone that's going to show up and exploit the freedom. And then it's like, well, now we have to have a sign that says you got to have shirt and shoes. Not sure why you can come in with no pants, but whatever. Shirt, <laughs> shoes, this whatever. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me, me and you showing up in the seven. Look, we got right in. We had the shirt and the shoes, no pants. But yeah, <laughs> what? The, well, I mean, there's always someone that's going to do it. And now it's like in this political climate, it's less. It, it's like, all right, well, we're we're three years away from uh, no one can do anything because this seems dangerous. This this seems like uh, there's all kinds of ex exploitation happening with our rights. You know, I mean, it's, it's insane. Yeah, it, it is pretty crazy. And uh, uh, it, it, yeah, these people and how they think this way and then the way they like kind of depict me like and attack me like out of nowhere and i always question myself i always think like ah you know maybe i could be wrong and so i always double check i i quadruple check check i'm not the smartest person in the world so i gotta listen a few times and each time i come out at the end of it when i listen like all right i'm listening to this socialist guy i'm li i'm reading Karl marx communist manifesto maybe i'm missing something and each time I'm like, nope, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> each time, and then each time I, I listen to like capitalist people, I'm like, damn, that makes sense. And like from a moral perspective too. Um, it was just, hey, let me ask you something. Did Karl Marx sell the book or did he give it away? Oh my goodness. <laughs> With Mein Kampf, right? Or... <laughs> oh, that's no, I'm serious. Hey, oh, oh, I have no idea. I, I have no idea. Maybe Ingalls sold it for him. <laughs> I think Ingalls. I think Ingalls had more of an input than we think, but that's another story. I wanted to ask you something, actually. Um, uh, when you define the right wing, the left wing, uh, I know you didn't listen to any of my podcast episodes. That's what's up. But um, I go into how to describe the left and the right, and I think it's just a little bit undefined nowadays because I see so many similarities between, like, the USSR and Nazi Germany. But if you ask people on the left, it's like, no, those are communists. And this is a fascist, nationalist, right wing, you know, but I just, when you ask them to define it, they're, they're a little fuzzy on how to define. Right yeah, you know what, I, do, I don't think, I mean, I've actually joked about this. So I think we're in a complicated world. I don't think we have a left and a right. I, I joke that I'm alt middle. Because that's like the thing that no one knows what the hell that is, and I'm like, perfect. Yeah, I'll stay there. You, you guys, all go f off. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that um, parts of left and right blend together. It's like uh, you know, you can be liberal about sort of human rights things, and and you can be conservative about um, sort of. Uh, other things or, or sort of uh, conservation of, you know, the nation or the rights of the Constitution. Like, you know, you can, uh, example, I can say that I want to have the freedom for the First and Second Amendment, and those are generally conservative, conservative things. And I also want my friends to be able to have gay marriage 
and uh, women should have control over their bodies and be able to have abortion, you know. Right. Uh, there was a time where those things were contradictive. I think that liberal and conservative, you know, I, I got to be honest, I think it, it ultimately most of the ideals of humanity kind of overlap. I think it's a small sort of area where people disagree, and that's where we get tribal, and that's where we, you know, when it comes down to voting for someone, that's where everyone hates each other, and they're on social media now, and it's like, you know, that was the interesting thing. 2020, that was, that was like the second election we had social media. Think about that for a second. That, that's when great. Obama went in, yeah, there was no social media. There was no, nobody was like on MySpace like, hey, uh, what do you think about this? You know, it's like that was the old school sort of television, like you're getting like information a certain way. Um, and so uh, I think that like we have this weird chasm where we can sort of, blend ideas together and have sort of differences and similarities in, in certain ways. But then also we're, we're fighting against like this weird tech thing where, uh, you know, that's kind of sort of deciding what, um, you know, which way the vote's going to go to be, to be frank, you know? Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. Um, it, it, it is very interesting and so when I define the left and the right, I always think from like a, a government uh, intervention perspective, how much of it's involved versus how much isn't. And so uh, the way I describe it is if you are far left, that's full blown like government control, North Korea, China shit. Um, but if you're far right, I actually I don't think anyone on the left has ever I uh, agreed with North Korea. I that's, that can't be the case. <laughs> and so yeah, so that's far left, and then far right, you know, people might flip a lid, but I, I agree with this concept: is no government, full blown anarchy, right? No government, yeah. far right, and so that's why. Yeah. That's, Good luck with that. <laughs> and that and that's exactly, and so that's why the United States and the founding fathers are like, whoa, 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 we can't have this crazy law of the jungle bullshit um we need some type of protection but not quite like those fucking brits that we just smacked up out of here right and yeah. so they, uh, i'm not even close to even as smart as these fucking founding fathers man um, yeah but at the end of the day, but at the end of the day they put it together like hey this is the best we got with these checks and balances, limited government, we're right, but just slight right, you know, it's not far right, slight right. And so I always use the expression, like how far do we dial it to the left to the point where it's um, full government control. And we just talked about a ton of business, right? It's, it's just illogical to think that a small group of people can organize and put together um, all of the fucking resources and, distribute them accordingly, price setting, it makes no fucking sense. It will be a disaster. It's much more logical and efficient for each of these hunters on this island to form their own little sections and control them accordingly, you know? Um, uh, that's why they did the United States, right? That makes sense. But these governors each control, like it's just too many people. I think they anticipated 
a lot more people. I don't think they were stupid whatsoever. I think they were anticipating the innovation of guns. I think they were anticipating uh, the population growing excessively. Um, and, you know, when it comes to, like, abortion and gay marriage and all that, that's just touching base on the religion and whatnot. Um, but at the end of the day, there's still very logical, economical reasons for not to have abortion. Like, you can have an abortion, but why do I got to pay for it? That's my problem with it. I'm like, why the fuck am I paying for it? Like, you know, we can find better systems to accommodate these things that we find divides on, right? And I have no problem yeah. with that. Um, but in this day and age, what I'm noticing, especially with social media, like we're really seeing this Marxist ideology. It really is Marxist. Like at the end of the day, it's like, it's a gig economy, bro. Like we need to redistribute the wealth. And it's like, no, we're not fucking communists. We're socialists. And I'm like, motherfucker, like two peas in a pod. Like I, you can't even define it. That's the problem. People aren't even defining socialism. I can't even find a fucking solid definition. Every socialist I argue with, it's like different shit. Like, no, we don't want to get rid of firefighters, stupid. And it's like, oh, okay. But <laughs> what do you want? Yeah. How do you want to do this? I'm very curious. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, oh, this is useless until, yeah. <laughs> Let's use the firefighter scenario as an example. <laughs> yeah, we don't need firefighters. And then you're on fire. And then, yeah. oh, and, shit, where'd and, that go? And it's like that's where um, that's where the limited government comes into play. They they can think, take care of things that can't be privatized. Ahead. Yeah, you, you're just cutting out every once in a while. I don't know why. Apologies, internet's going down. So yeah, I I agree. I think that you know we have sort of a responsibility to contribute uh, in ways that make sense. And that's not an easy model to, to do. There's always going to be somebody that's unhappy. Yeah. And I think in, the, in general, the U.S. Is, is doing the best job of that um, historically. But recently, it's, it's a little terrifying because yeah, – slide in the opposite way. We're not in a scenario where we're – I mean, <laughs> I joked when – with uh, my wife, I was like, hey, when Trump got an op you know, okay, let's, let's fast, uh, rewind, sorry, the 2016. It was Hillary versus Trump. And we were like, I mean, there was no track record for Trump as a, as a president. Hillary, we were like, oh, this is not good. Even my wife was like, I'm not really into this idea. And we were like, what the fuck are we going to do? And she went, she went left up, I went right, and Trump won. We woke up the next morning, and I was like, I was jumping up and down like, fuck yeah. And then I was like, I got a really bad feeling about this because there, there, was, no, there was no track record. I was like, I feel like we, we just brought a lunatic into the see, hen house. You know? See, see that, was, that, that was the problem. It's like uh, I didn't know anything about it politics. Was. But, man, I heard so much about Hillary Clinton and the whole Clinton machine being corrupt. Right. And because so back then, think about it, back then they didn't have, like, sort of a grip on social media and this and that. Mm -hmm. And Trump was – he's the he was the man. And, like, I, I knew who he was before. I've never trusted him with anything. But then with the presidency, I was like, okay, well, he's going to run the, com the country like a business. I think he's going to sort of do things in the best interest of, of us, you know, and – 
to be honest, like he did do those things. And again, like what we said before the podcast was on, he was a Democrat before. Mm-hmm. He was a, de- a Democrat his whole life. And he just decided at that when he ran for president, he was like, okay, well, I'm going to run as a Republican. And it's kind of funny because he showed up at the Republican debates and just like fucked everyone up. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, what yeah. the hell? This should be a win for everyone. The Democrats should be like, okay, well, we have a guy, we have our guy in the office. Yeah. And the Republicans and- should be like, okay, well, we have someone saying the things that we care about. And it didn't do that. It was the opposite of both of those things. The Democrats were like, fuck this guy. He's turned on us. And then the Republicans were like, fuck this guy. He's not one of us. Yeah. <laughs> it was just horrible. Exactly. But he went in with the intention and executed on the idea that, like, hey, he, he fired all the lobbyists. He was in nobody's pocket. He was running the nation. And I honestly think that's what his downfall was because you get big tech and you get big pharma. And pharma's like, well, you know, we, we can sell a lot of shit. Uh, we don't want him sort of promoting uh, generic drugs so we can sell some other things like let's get them out of there and then tech is saying the same thing they're like fuck I mean Zuckerberg's now in trouble but it's like he would have been in trouble a lot sooner because of the stuff that they're doing it's like uh, well yeah yeah we should probably get this guy out of there so like tech is sort of ganging up with pharma saying oh yeah this guy's racist he's horrible get him out of there blah 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 At this point, it's so obvious when you see our current leadership, like, can't have a conversation, doesn't know where he is or what he's doing, stumbling around. It's like, okay. And then has taken the largest lump sum of dark money in U.S. history of any president. We are in a puppeteer scenario. It's very obvious. And it's unfortunate. Yeah, but if you even make that observation to the left, you're just QAnon. You just you're a conspiracy theorist. You, they just conflate and throw you into the gulag, and it's just kind of obnoxious at the same time because uh, I didn't I didn't like Trump. It was just like all right, well, whatever. I, and then slowly but surely, I started uh, pulling back the curtain and seeing what exactly is going on here, and the revelations were really amazing. Um, and honestly, I'm fucking grateful for it, man. Fuck these people that. Yeah, I got to be honest. I mean, I've I've had a couple of scenarios where I have crossed paths with not him directly. Obviously, I'm I'm small time compared to him, but like things where he w- he endorsed it or he was involved, and I was just like, eh, whatever, blah blah blah, this that. But you know, um, when he ran for when he became president, I think he did actually do a lot of things that we needed and and did have the best interest of the nation. Uh, that was the mission, you know, and I, he, he won me over by the end. I was like, fuck, this is actually, this is good for us. I think a lot of people. But the media did not way. agree and, and the media preys on people that won't, that, that will just believe whatever they say. And that's, Mm-hmm. I hate to say it. That's the reality we we live in. That's that's that. Like you're not going to win them back. They're going to think that you know something else happened, and you know he was evil, and he was racist. He was this. He was that. That's not true. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely not true. He yeah. was probably the best president we've had in decades. 
I agree. Think about that. I mean, he, he did what was in the best interest of the nation. But, you know, F off, like, because the media wants you to believe otherwise. Correct. And, where and the, now where we have a guy that doesn't know where he is, who he is, what he's doing. Uh, and that's uh, the leader of the free world. Man, and we only been through, not, has it been a year already? Or no, not even. No, nah, it's about 10 months. <laughs> it feels like a year. It feels you like know, four years. Yeah, it's crazy. But I really do believe a lot of people are waking up, you know, and so I'm going to full-blown segue this because I wanted to talk about some stuff. Um, yeah. Your business and being an executive in California, you obviously deal with a lot of people, and um, I'm sure you've come across, like, scenarios with bureaucrats or you have an idea of the politics there, um, you know, what is your thought on these individuals in California in particular, tech giants, uh, Democrat? I mean, California is as blue as it's ever going to be. I don't see that ever changing <laughs> unless, something, yeah. unless something crazy happens. But what is your thoughts overall on just the politics in California? How does that interfere with your business? And what do you think about the people there? Uh, the people well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, you saw like Elon Musk's speech where he talked about, hey, I'm the last car manufacturer in California. I'm the last rocket engineer manufacturer in California. I mean, two of the biggest industries. And he said, I think it was two years ago now, he said, think about that for a minute. I'm leaving the state, you know, and um, Newsom just sort of didn't give a shit. And then. Uh, there was another thing where the, uh, Biden had, he threw like a, an electric car summit or something uh, a year and a half ago. <laughs> like Tesla was not invited. <laughs> it's like, really? Kidding me? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The biggest uh, electric car, co the company that proved that this can be a thing and has released POC and is profitable and is uh, responsible for the richest guy on earth and richest guy that's going to live on Mars or whatever. But it's like, yeah, just let's sum that guy. Fuck that guy. Yeah, because guess what? He's a Republican. That's funny. And you're uh, oh, whatever the fuck. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's I, – I – sorry, what was your initial question? <laughs> I'm hung up on this shit. <laughs> no, the, the, the initial question is, like, being in business in California, you know, ah, what is terrifying. your – Terrifying, yeah. Yeah, what is your thoughts on how the politics disrupts it? What do you think about the people in general, bureaucrats? It could be uh, execs from tech companies, investors, what have you. What What is like the overall theme and uh, area? Like, of yeah, problem? I was, I was, I was. That's that's the deal. I was giving an, an example of that. So, like, um, you know, he's out of here. Like, he's gone. I mean, he's not coming back. That should tell you everything you need to know. You don't need to ask me, but. Um, you know, I'm a small company. I'm an agency. Um, I'll be honest. Like a lot of people are fleeing the state. Um, my sister, but I, I got family. Like most of my family is is planning on leaving. They're just like fuck this place. You know, I left. I'm in a different boat. Huh? I left. I, I oh, yeah, you did. Like, yeah, yeah. You're in Arizona. Yep. I mean, I dude. got the hell up out of there. <laughs> yeah, out of there. Um. And I get it. That's appealing, you know. So, I mean, I'm, 
I think it's contextual. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where I would, I could just get up and go anywhere and it would be awesome. But I'm simply looking at this as there is a housing, this is going to sound horrible, um, but hashtag capitalism. Contain. There's a housing shortage and it's gotten worse. So if you have a single family home in California, you're fine because those are about to be very rare because Newsom is uh, not allowing more of those to be easily built. Therefore, the value of them is going to be pumped up. That's not the reason I'm staying here. I'm not staying here because of that. That is one of many reasons. So like, you know, I'm a, a marketing CEO. I, I, a lot of my customers are actually in the state. Um, you know, a lot of business is done here. If I could do this remotely somewhere else, trust me, I would. <laughs> but at the same time, I'll be honest, like, look, California is beautiful. It has its allure. It's like you're three hours from snowboarding. You're three hours from the beach. Like, you know, we, you've been to my house, you know, briefly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice little mini mansion on the hill. You know, it's like, it is a cool spot, you know? As long as I can, I'll stay here. But I, I told my wife, I'm like, hey, anytime you want to leave the state, we're going to double our money that day. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I'm down. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's still value, even though it's being run into the ground. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, and so that's where I, I, I ponder. I mean, you know, the tech companies that we – or I hear, we hear of them starting to flee as well, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Elon Musk isn't alone. So if all these companies start dipping out, right, and especially since a lot of these, uh, even these higher up employees for tech companies that work from home now, hybrids, uh, you know, they dip out. They don't need to pay the higher cost of living. I, I just wonder how much further down the road is this going to inflate, in my opinion, um, even if there is a housing shortage. I mean, obviously, this is going on. Newsom is just ridiculous. But um, I just really wonder how long that money is going to last, quote unquote. And then on top of all of that, with these restrictions and mandates going on, a lot of people aren't going to be on board with that stuff and further push them out. It's like, when does a state really just hit rock bottom, even though they look so glorious? It's a very unique place. And it is beautiful, the best weather in the country. Um, so it's hard to like, oh my goodness, like why would I? I mean, honestly, Arizona is amazing weather too. But hell yeah, uh, it's unique because of the valley. The valley of Silicon Valley is just very, very unique. Uh, it's, it's yeah. And so I, I mean, I guess my question is like, do you see it really lasting long term? In general, like five years, ten years. I mean, a lot of people are still predicting some type of big bust yeah i think it is because okay so there's a there's a number of factors here um you know you think about like google bought up a ton of property over the last 10 years in um the peninsula um they're not going to just let that go away apple like you know they the, the spaceship um they're having some issues right now with like employees like not wanting to go in and whatnot that's fine but 
their headquarters are going to still be here. Like if they want investors to fly in, they got to be here. Like their address uh, might be in Delaware, but the business is being conducted here. Um, people work there. Like, so actually my grandpa's house happens substantially uh, across the street from the Apple campus. I mean, that thing was a small four bedroom house, small backyard thing sold for like $2 million. Fucking ridiculous. Um, that's an example of like the proximity, the value of proximity. Uh, I think at this point does help innovation move forward. So I don't think California real estate is going to go down anytime soon. If anything, I think it's actually going up because the more people that leave, the more vacancy exists and the more people that will pay a premium are coming in. Um, so it's a weird phenomenon. This might be a bubble. It could be, and it might be a five-year bubble. It might be a 10-year bubble. It could be a bubble that just continues. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. Mm. Nobody knows, but Nobody knows. right now it, it's <laughs> as much as I'd love the state not to be that sought after. Um, not a Newsome fan at all, if you've gathered from anything I've said. But, uh, you know, right now it seems the, the real estate, the scarcity created is making the real estate value go up and people are coming in. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Gavin Newsom, if you were to diagnose him, uh, sociopath, psychopath, all the above, <laughs> how would you describe that man? Probably Democrat, worst of them all. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Democratiopath. I don't know. I mean, he looks like American Psycho. Have you seen uh, Christian Bale in American Psycho? Like, looks exactly the same. He definitely does. And I, I doesn't don't, count as a diagnosis, but he doesn't even look like a fucking human, man. Like when he's out there talking in front of the camera, like his apology for that whole French laundry shenanigans was the most lack of remorse I've ever seen. Just full-blown crocodile tears. I was just like, this dude is a full-blown sociopath. Yeah. Like, I could not qualify to comment on this. Like, I just, I mean, I, it's... I'm a clinical psychologist, so don't trip. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, I just don't like that, that fucking guy at all, man. He's just... Yeah, he's just... Well, we didn't we didn't have a lot of the problems we have in California right now before he was here. So we did not have them. So um, when you do some math, it's like, you know, I forgot her name. This woman was on the board of the Housing Commission in um, was Santa Monica or Hollywood. She was saying, like, yeah, 38 percent of the funds that come through are just donated to the, the leadership meeting him, you know. <laughs> and it's like, all right, well, you don't have to. Ha to solve the housing crisis then keep it a problem you keep making money i didn't even know he was related to pelosi did you know that i did know that uh, that's fucking crazy and then like her neither of them should be worth a hundred million dollars yeah by the way kind of ridiculous isn't that a little bit weird oh, like, why think, are you worth a hundred million I, I almost think it should be a requirement isn't that a conflict of interest a little bit oh for sure i i think it should be a requirement like trump was rich before he became uh, a politician but it should be a requirement like if you become a politician like there's no fucking way like we know what you're making <laughs> how did you end up make becoming a millionaire 
and there's no yeah. like really there's no shenanigans going on like come on now um but anywho i didn't know that I, I didn't even know that dynamic existed uh, pelosi been in sf and runs that shit like no other and her husband's some big head honcho as well like these things i just started discovering i'm like oh my god like it, it's yeah the corruption is like almost right in, it, it is in front of your face but it's just a matter of if you want to see it or not and i um, knew some the only time i've seen him on tv on the news he said well this is trump's fault that oh, the least cause trump's fault there's republicans and the trump i was like no those incompetence those QAnon believers. It's your own incompetence, motherfucker. It's not Trump's Trump. What the fuck are you talking about Trump for? Exactly. He's not the president. <laughs> He's not the president. It's, yeah. it's all those QAnon conspiracy theorists. They're just reckless. Ugh. It's like, no, no, no. I've I've talked with plenty of people, human beings. Hey, mark my words, man. I don't know who's who's going to come out on top, but I swear to God, we are not far away from not being a superpower anymore. One of my buddies was telling me he was like a Marine and he's like, fuck dude. He's like this next generation. Who's going to run the military? I was like the military. Who's going to fucking sell products? Who are the sales reps? Fuck the military. <laughs> That's done and gone. Who's going to sell something? No one knows how to talk to anyone. They're all on fucking Instagram. They all want fucking participation trophies. They think, they invented a new gender, so they get an award for something. It's like, hey, no, we got to make the world happen. Sorry. <laughs> Have a good time with that. We got to do some shit. Nope, not interested. And China, I wouldn't be surprised if China just stomped their boots down the road. Oh, that's going to be next. They're the next ones up. They're on the way up. They'll do it. it, it it's insane. They're knocking at the door. So here's, here's my real um, perspective on that. China can't be a superpower because everything they have they stole from us. So you can't steal your way into first place. No, I'm serious. They're going to figure it out. Yeah, but they're not fucking around. I mean, eventually they're going to figure it out. And we're just complacent right now. We're super just complacent. And everyone wants everyone to just get along and love each other. And it's like, nope, we're at war with the rest of the planet. <laughs> yeah. We gotta fucking figure this out. Yeah, and, that, and that's the other. Please, please contribute. <laughs> you know, that's the other dumb flaw with like the communist perspective is uh, there's always there always has to be a leader, right? And for some reason, in a communist society, the leader is so benevolent, and it's like no, the, their justification is well, there's other superpowers, and you gotta, you know, someone has to talk to other foreign. Uh, countries and this and that and it's like you no fuck no and it, and it just drives me fucking bonkers um yeah but um fuck it i want i want to hear you talk about sociopaths now um so i swear we touched on biden already yeah but that was, biden doesn't even know <laughs> biden doesn't even know no, he doesn't, I wish he had the capacity to be a sociopath. That would be such an upgrade. A person, so a person with a personality disorder manifesting itself in an extreme antisocial attitudes and behaviors, lack of conscious empathy and remorse. That's why I'm just like, you know what? Deep down, that's Gavin Newsom. And so antisocial, I think uh, the way that I was doing my research and describing it, uh, Dr. Romani, I'm not even going to try to pronounce her last name. This is a clinical mm. psychologist, personality disorder expert, and she's just like, 
by antisocial, we can't misconstrue how sociopaths behave. It's not that they're antisocial in the sense like, I don't want to go hang out with people. They're literally rule breakers, right? They're anti-society, anti-norms of society, right? And she even mentioned that they're most likely to end up in prison, which, you know, go figure, anti-rules, you're going to find a way to break. Yeah. And it's this mm -hmm. weird delusion, right? That yeah, that they can do this and just not get affected or impacted by it at, by all means necessary. Uh, you know, the worst part and most dangerous part is that they'll take risks, put other people in danger, right? These are like the common symptoms of it. But, you know, how do you how do you resonate with these sociopaths in general? How do, have you come across them often in these, you know, whether it's business partners, clients, bureaucrats, if you've come across them? Yeah, well, the main one was uh, a guy named President Biden. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm not letting it go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, I mean, it's the nature of the business is you're in Silicon Valley. You simply come up with an idea that's compelling and there's a checklist. Like if you can answer nine questions like, uh, product market fit, market size, what's the size of the problem you're solving, this and that, blah, 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 the other, you'll get investment because somebody will say, hey, that's a valid problem. We need to solve that uh, and we'll invest. So it becomes formulaic. And when it becomes formulaic, you sort of attract a certain type. And before I was running my own company, I had, um, you know, I'd flipped multiple startups and this is the the funny thing. I gotta not give too much detail away here, but um, I had someone. They said I uh, graduated from Stanford uh, startup X. Uh, I was number one in my class, and this and that, blah blah blah, giving me all these stats, like selling me on why I should come um, work for your company and, and run go to market, and. Uh, a second time, I, I, I was interviewing at another company, and um, they said, hey, uh, I'm an ex-Googler, I graduated from Startup X, Stanford, and, like, literally, I noticed, I was like, wait, you're saying all the same shit, exactly, like, word for word, and I realized they're reading from a playbook, so... A venture capital company, like if you think about this, if you back up to the, the top, they're going to invest money in an idea and a CEO and a, or maybe a group of co-founders. But you have to go get the, the people that are going to go make this happen. And so you have to sell those people. And, and we go back to like, oh, you're, you're partners in the company. You're going to have stock, you know, whatever. Nobody makes money on that stock. Common stock is more shit. You know, the founders get preferred stock. It's a totally different thing. And, you know, they will fire up the group of people and be like, yeah, we're all part of this. This is awesome, blah, 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 blah. And they'll kind of do the heavy lifting. And when the company sells, they all get fired and they make nothing. Literally, statistically, it's like 10 out of 10. So nine out of 10 startups fail. The one that succeeds doesn't matter. The employees are gone. 
and they're the ones that help get it there. It's actually kind of ridiculous. Not kind of, it is ridiculous. And I went through different cycles of this early in my career, and I was like, fuck this. I'm seeing the same shit over and over. This is, this is ridiculous. When I started my company, I wasn't trying to solve that problem. I wasn't like, you know what? I'm going to start a company. I'm going to love my employees. I'm going to keep them forever. It wasn't really that. It was, hey, you know what? I want to provide value and I want to create a solution. And we did that. And then inherently in doing that, you know, I luckily attracted like people that have talent and I fight to keep them on. I'm not trying to throw them out because I want to sell the company. Like we're going to build something together. You know, so it's kind of a different mentality. I'm not saying that I'm like better than all the CEOs or whatever. It's just like, it's a different mentality. If you're like, yeah, bro. Trying to legitimately solve a problem and you're doing that sort of incrementally and you're, you're building something that's very different from I'm the CEO that wants investment and I found a problem I can solve and I can make some money out of this and blah, 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 whatever. I'm going to sell it and, you know, everyone can fuck off. I think that's what attracts the, the psychopaths. <laughs> to be clear, I'm also a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But seriously, though, right? I big, mean, like, think about big tangent to the Big tangent to the psychopaths, not even the sociopaths. Go ahead, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just convinced to them. But no, no, think about it. I mean, it's like if if you can check those check those boxes and, you know, uh, get funding and, and pitch a VC, it's like, that's easy. It, it, it seems like, you know, a psychopath could, and, and again, okay, before the podcast started, we were talking about the definition. It's like, it just means you don't, you don't have human compassion. It doesn't mean you're a serial killer. Some of them are. But it's just like you don't care. It mean it means you can easily go into something where you will uh, sort of take the investment and exit. Maybe you'll make a profit, and then everyone else gets thrown out. And that's you know you don't give a shit. That's the definition. Ah, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, is this like? kind of a universal thing where they come in and you, I mean, obviously it's some type of pattern or you wouldn't be fucking rambling about it but the fact of the matter is like that's kind of disturbing in a sense um uh yeah i mean is this like a product of capitalism right i mean this is a product of capitalism but we still have to be considerate and uh knowledgeable of who the fuck is running it like there's so many weird schemes that I'm just unfamiliar with because I've never been an investor in a tech company. I've never worked in that high executive level. So it's like interesting to hear, you know, some of the stories and whatnot. And that's part of the reason why I want you on is to kind of go in a little bit more detail about what, it, what, who's really coming in. And you really genuinely believe like the majority of them are, I mean, obviously we're not fucking psychologists here, but you think yeah. it's like a common disorder. I mean, I wouldn't put it past these people, especially when I see people like fucking Dorsey and Zuckerberg, right? I, I wouldn't put it past it that these people just really don't give a fuck too much, right? Um, That's uh, actually a – you bring up a good point because, you know, I was jokingly going to be like, wow, you know, uh, you're saying like, hey, psychopaths. Like, yeah, I feel right in. Um, <laughs> but, 
No, you, you said something there that kind of resonates a little bit. So, like, I don't think that when Zuckerberg made Facebook, he was like, I'm a malicious bastard and I'm going to steal data. I'm going to do whatever it is I've done to now have the SEC and the whatever all over me. I don't think that was the intent. I think it's a maybe it's a slippery slope. It's like you create something and then that something generates value. And then when value is converted to revenue, you automatically lean towards the value that means revenue and you lean away from other things. And um, I don't think that that's evil. I think that might be, I mean, Hey dude, we're going back to the, we're fucking chimps. We're, we're apes. Like you give us a grape and you train us to do something. We're going to do that something over and over to get the grape. I'm we're going all for, the way back. Had, I'm, before, I'm, before, I'm before, waiting before, for the, I'm waiting for the connection. Let's <laughs> no, no, no. Before we had this conversation, we we're talking about like, the difference between us and the aliens and like they can't relate to us because we're closer to the chimps like <laughs> you know I, I think i think this is actually an example of that it's like you no one went to zuckerberg and said hey dude we're gonna pay you 150 billion dollars and you're gonna do this shit and it's gonna be horrible he'd be like no fuck you go away but it slowly sort of goes that way right i mean because it's like okay more money shows up when we make it more engaging and to make it more engaging we tie into human psychology and we i'm not excuse me i'm not giving him an excuse for anything i'm just saying like they built a platform around human sort of engagement mm -hmm. uh and that's kind of interesting so in the context of the conversation i think you know factoring that in is, is sort of an interesting thing well, yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, at the end of the day, for all we know, uh, these head honchos could be aliens. Um, I'm just saying, in general, we have these people who have these disorders that we kind of just, we make titles for to try to describe patterns of their behaviors. And so if we see a certain behavior that's a little bit off the Richter, right, such as a sociopath or a psychopath, um, and they happen to be consistent. You know, they seem to be the same person coming in from Stanford looking for this and that. They don't care. They're going to get their money, dip out. They don't give a fuck about anyone else. Common symptoms of a lack of remorse. Um, I just really do wonder. Those are just like, you know, these startups, right? And so I wonder how extrapolated we can really get with these bigger head honchos. How much, like if we sat these guys down with the psychologists, you know what levels are they at in in this realm of you know psychopathy sociopathy um just overall anti-social disorders right um i think that's another thing we touched on i think you'd never know because um they're charismatic they're yeah they hide it sales guys like they build relationships you know I, and uh, uh that's a tough one you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I've seen it in the sense that, you know, uh, people are reckless. Uh, they're usually young. They're, they're sort of like, again, they come out of, you know, X school and do X whatever, uh, <laughs> like 
track to become CEO and they do it and, you know, they make a couple million or whatever. And it's like, they're reckless. Um, and that's different. You know, I, I think that's still sort of a, a lack of compassion kind of scenario, but I think the, the actual psychopath thing is probably invisible. They're the most charismatic people ever. You know, so like you're not going to know when you're talking to one. That's the that's the problem. And I think in those situations, um, you know, it's like if one's a CEO, that's one thing. If if one's uh, doing something else, might be even more difficult to tell. You know, because they're kind of at a lower scale, like lower visibility, and uh, you know, might be tricky. I don't know. I mean, it for goddamn sure is tricky. Uh, it's like the Christian Bale, American Psycho. Uh, it, it's a brilliant movie because yeah. they they all think he's just this super fucking normal guy, right? And they portray it like he's just fucking straight up chopping people up in his apartment. Like he's just fucking, uh, what is it, saran wrapping or, you know, putting the shit all over his apartment while the chick's there. <laughs> it comes out with like a chainsaw or an ax or whatever, right? And, but- It tips the B square. And then at the end, it, you come to find out he's just doodling it like in his journal, right? Yeah. So they kind yep. of, they played the trick on you. Like it, it's a very layered scenario. And it makes me wonder like how much do we know ourselves how sociopathic or psychopathic we may be. That's why I was trying so hard. Like, what the fuck is the difference between these two things? So wait, one's this, one's that, but one can be this, but what if they have a little bit of that? How the fuck does a psychologist know from an external perspective, right? Even from the internal, they say, oh, well, sociopaths and psychopaths, they don't even know that they're that, or narcissists, right? Um, I, I always wonder, what if they really do know, like when they're alone by themselves, you know, like might know. And I don't know, this is just like the grand scale of things of how humans are in general. Um, you know, in tech, I don't think it makes a difference. <laughs> I think it just attracts like, you know, I mean, the I think the, the legal or not legal, but sort of like uh, accepted definition is, you know, a sociopath thinks they're smart enough to outsmart everyone and a psychopath just doesn't care. Um, and there's there's ranges of, of that where like you know you could be a killer or you could be just someone that just like does whatever and doesn't think about consequences those things seem to go together but yeah I mean I don't know it's uh, in my tenure I've I've seen some weird stuff and eventually you see patterns you know you see things um, sort of repeat and. You know, eventually it's it's sort of uh, it becomes a law, and it's it's no longer a uh, speculation, so to speak. But I will say this: I'm pretty sure that there's been psychopaths that have propelled humanity forward because of their innovations, <laughs> and you know, let's take the wins and. Uh, sort of uh mitigate the losses and and do with it what we will yeah i was having a conversation with my client and 
uh, it's so funny how people contradict themselves sometimes. It's like, I hate Trump, but then they definitely despise people like Vladimir Putin, um, Kim Jong-un and company, right? All these people that are dangerous people who are probably full-blown psychopaths. Um, But it's like, we need someone of that caliber to deal with these people, no? Like, like we need someone that is that type of level of human or at least can navigate those waters or they just get eaten with the sharks, right? And then what? Uh, So it's like, it's almost like, I wonder if there's some type of either genetic, um, you know, genetic uh, psychopathy that's kind of within us at certain levels and those that are a little bit higher or not. I'm just trying to see if there's some type of correlation. Like, you know, are all these super duper successful people, um, would they be diagnosed? That's where I'm really trying to aim towards. And it's just kind of funny because it's like, I I could imagine that. Like, Trump obviously has some narcissism in him, but, you know, this level of human to do the things that they do, like Joe Biden, um, (laughs) it's... Yeah, I mean, okay, look, you can't be president without... Uh, some narcissism. I mean, if if you want to lead the the uh, nation of the free world, um, yeah, probably a little bit into yourself. But that's a fucking hard job. I mean, not maybe for Biden. Else's yeah, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it was just too much of a leap for people. They just saw Obama. Like, look at him. He's so humble. He's so put together. And. He was so calm, and it's like it was just too much of an extreme, and people just didn't know what to fucking do with it. But at the end of the day, I bet you there's a lot of fucking similarities between Obama and Trump if a psychologist sat them down, right? Not even psychologists. I think their policies were actually more central. I mean, think about this for a minute. Obama was a very centralized president. We talked about this. Like, you know, he had policies and um, did things that were very – uh, right-centric, like privatized space flight. That's like kind of a huge sort of big business thing, like his border policy. Like, and, and then you think about Trump, and Trump is actually, again, he's a, he's a Democrat. <laughs> You'd think that'd be a win if he got in. Like we said this at the beginning, but, like, you know, it's like, okay, shouldn't the Democrats be happy that one of their own got in? No, because he, like, had all this stuff, and his stuff was more on the right. Between the two of them, that should have been a win. It should have been, you know, 16 years of we're basically central and we're basically sort of doing the right things. It just got so insane over the last few years. It's actually actually it's really weird that, you know, Biden was under Trump and is is just there. Sorry, not under Trump. Jesus, uh, under Obama and is uh, has gone way off sort of kilter. And, you know, part of that's maybe the health thing. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's like we had a path for a long period of time to be generally central. And obviously Obama and Trump didn't get along, but there were, you know, personal things if you watch the, the roasts and whatnot. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's like that was kind of a perfect setup. And we've been sort of infiltrated by – more so than normal, it's always run by big corporations, but pharma and tech, like, have taken over. Um, 
it's kind of devastating because if you think about it, we're on a downward trajectory. And if we keep this up, if we keep allowing corruption to take us over, we're not going to be a superpower for much longer. And then what? Uh, I, I try not to think too much about it, but I've been failing at that lately. It's just uh, I know you. I know you wanted to have a, a cordial chat together, and we're doing that. I didn't mean <laughs> to leave you with something devastating, but uh, I mean, uh, all of this stuff has to amount to something, and it uh, the pace we're going at, it's not good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it's unfortunate because yeah. I think a lot of people are waking up, but it's almost like I wonder if we, if we're just too late. How slippery is that slope, right? And yeah. So, anywho, uh, why don't we close out on that? I mean, we definitely have touched base on that fucking political topic a couple times. Um, but yeah, man, is there anything you kind of want to just cap off? There was something maybe that we were talk, uh, we haven't talked about that was in your notes that you just wanted to brush up on, or you know, I leave my my guests with the closing statements. Of course, man. You know, I will say this. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be on the show. I'm looking forward to the next one. I think we'll keep all of the additional information in the next one. Um, <laughs> I can go on for 25 hours a day, yep. all day, every day. Uh, <laughs> so, with, some, with some serious so, tangents. Wait until you play this again. It's just going to be yeah. like, wow, we went on some tangents. And then it just, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got to wrap it back around. Say the one thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, I appreciate this. This was awesome. Uh, thank you. And we'll do this again in the near future. Hell yeah. Uh, this yeah. Is gonna, yeah, this will be a thing. And so uh, CEO RJ from the UK, I bet you forgot about it, Paul Volton, his way out of here. Mm -hmm.